0: Video podcast series at center stage. I'm your host, Sasha Papp. In this podcast series, we explore the latest trends, regulatory updates and pressing issues in the dynamic economy, focusing on booming industries and sectors. In this episode of Center Stage, we delve into the topic of insuring MA deals, exploring the significance of warranty and indemnity W and I insurance in the current challenging political and economic climate. Our guests Martin Stone, the head of transactional risk insurance, private equity and M&A, CEE and Eastern Mediterranean from Marsh McLennan, Alexander Rakosi, a partner at the CMS Vienna office but with the CEE focus and the head of private equity and Sasha Sodia, a partner in cooperation with CMS Ljubljana office. Discuss the key benefits of disadvantages of W&I insurance and address common objections and fears from clients. The guests also share their insights on the future of w insurance, discussing the potential for increased interest and use in the CEE region. Despite a recent slowdown in M&A activity in Europe and the CEE due to factors such as rising interest rates, inflation and the conflict in Ukraine, the significance of warranty and indemnity insurance is increasingly relevant in today's challenging political and economic climate, as its core purpose is to help protect transactional parties from merger and acquisition M&A deal risks. To kick off the discussion, can you explain to our listeners the basics of warranties and indemnities in the context of M&A transactions and their importance? Martin? what are the key benefits of W&I insurance?
1: Sure, and, and thank you for having me at this podcast. Um, so, in the vast majority of contracts that regulate the sale of the company and uh, whether they are called share purchase agreement, acquisition agreement or investment agreement, there typically is a chapter or even a separate document where the sellers uh, would give warranties to the buyer. The warranties given by the seller can relate to various aspects of the uh, target company operation, such as assets, tax, accounts or compliance with those. Now, if any of those warranties proves to be incorrect, the warrantors, mainly the sellers, would remain liable to the buyer for the resulting loss. And that's where a warranty and indemnity policy becomes relevant. Under a WNI policy, a third party, an insurer, would assume liability for breaches of seller's warranties given in the acquisition agreement. At March, we work with a wide variety of clients uh, and deal makers on both sides of the transaction. Depending on their role uh, in the transaction, their motivation to obtain a WNI policy might be different. In general, an, an insurance policy can bring benefits both to the sell and the buy side of a transaction. For the sellers, it means a clean exit. Uh, in other words, the seller can shift all the liability resulting from a warranty breach to to an insurer. This is especially important for private equity sellers that very often liquidate uh, a fund following a transaction. Another benefit for the sell side would be the fact that they can receive all the proceeds from the transaction immediately at closing, rather than, for example, holding them at escrow for for um, several uh, months or even more than a year for the buyer a WNI insurance policy can provide a better and wider protection than the underlying contract so the insurer can be liable for example to a higher amount than the seller would be Another benefit of a WNI policy for the buyer would be the fact that it it increases their comfort when it comes to an investment in an unfamiliar jurisdiction. For example, we have recently had uh, cases where we advised clients coming from distant jurisdictions uh, such as Asia uh, that were investing for the first time in our region, and in that scenario, a policy significantly contributed to their overall comfort with a transaction also our clients appreciate the fact that uh, we work with very solvent and financially strong insurers which gives them additional peace of mind uh, when it comes to a potential claim because very often <clears throat> the buyers would have some doubts around the solvency of, of the other side in case of a claim. And finally, the policy can save, excuse me, can can serve as a tool that facilitates the negotiation process. In other words, the presence of an insurer and the fact that the transaction is insured positively impacts the dynamics uh, of uh, of the negotiations and allows to to agree on some on some important um, clauses in the agreement much faster than it would be the case without um, without a policy
0: okay uh, thank you Let's hear a different perspective on this topic. Alexander, based on your experience, what do your clients see as the main advantage of WNI insurance? Can you share an example of a transaction where WNI insurance delivered a positive effect to all parties involved?
2: Sure, and thanks for having me. I think as Marcin already said, the focus is on risk. Profile sort of optimization and that goes both ways for sellers and for buyers For example, if you're on the sell side WNI product provides an opportunity for you to as it's called dressing up the bride meaning Serving up in an auction process for example an optimized risk package where you can deliver to the prospective bidders already a solution that basically Allows um, the buyer to take over an existing WNI prepared product in order to optimize the risk potential. For example, if you have multiple sellers involved, uh, even more so if it uh, consists of uh, individuals, you oftentimes, without the WNI product, have the negotiations on joint liability, several liability. Are you able to recoup the respective, let's say, risk profile from individual sellers? Which in many times sort of constitutes a big roadblock in the negotiations. If you're able to provide the counterparty already with a liability regime by as much and said sort of a more creditworthy seller, then that usually provides a pretty big advantage um, in terms of getting to a deal very smoothly. On the buy side, um, as it's called, sweetening the bid. If a buyer already has prepared a WNI cover, it is able to offer to the seller a much more favorable liability regime. In many cases um, now, uh, what we call a zero recourse. So ideally you would have as a buyer sole sole recourse against the insurance company and leaving as little of liability as possible to the sellers, which obviously makes it much more efficient and much more easy to come to terms with the sellers. So that is sort of a, a dynamic that is quite uh, quite relevant and is quite favorable in getting deals across the line. Um, with respect to recent examples, those are some of the core constellations that you typically see. Um, for example, we had a private equity um, fund acquiring a business from you know existing owners of a company who did not uh, fully sort of divest of all their shares, but who stayed in the whole buying entity in in the form of a reinvestment. So obviously there was strong interest to not just only align risk allocation profiles, but also make sure that the parties who were going to continue to work together um, in the future, um, that they sort of were able to focus on the business as such and not have to deal with any potential claims stemming from reps and warranties in the future. So it did allow um, the parties to really already dive into the substantive side of things and, 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 and sort of focus on growing the business Um, and and, and allowed the PE buyer to still get uh, sufficient coverage in terms of financial capability standing behind potential claims. Another situation that we had, for example, was on the corporate side where this sort of a a multi-billion dollar um, group sold one of its divisions. Um, They wanted to use the uh, acquired purchase price as soon as possible after closing so there was a strong incentive not to have any type of escrow structures holdback structures or or any of that stuff and uh, the buyer which in this case was a a private equity group got comfortable that uh, it had a good enough counterparty on the other side uh, without any holdbacks without any escrow simply by being able to to rely on the financial capability of a big insurance group that stands behind this so i think These are just some of the scenarios where we do see that the WNI product provides um, added value and where it facilitates the transaction in order to make them speedier, sort of more optimized. And uh, I think in this case, in the interest of both parties.
0: Thank you, Alexander. Sasha, any additional thoughts about it?
3: I agree with everything that Alex said. I mean, the advantages are pretty clear. I don't, um, don't want to sound like a commercial, but, you know, clean exit is always what the sellers are looking for and having a W and insurance uh, in place, you know, can reduce any holdbacks of the purchase price. I mean, reduce, not like completely um, remove. Um, also, it makes the negotiations with individual sell- sellers much easier, especially if there are more than one sellers on um on the other side and from the buy side, you get to avoid any lengthy court procedures and pre-transactional restructuring.
0: Okay. According to the CMS Emerging Europe M&A report 2022-2023, the CEE region is trailing behind other Western jurisdictions in the use of WNI insurance and transactions. Sasha, in your opinion, what are the key reasons behind this disparity?
3: The statistics are improving. They are improving slowly, but they are improving. I think this is um, due to the lack of familiarity with the whole product, but also due to other reasons, such as exclusions in coverage and um, the level of cost, the complexity of the whole underwriting process. I mean, in relation to lack of familiarity, um, usually businesses in legal matters are used to do things that the way that they have done them before. Um, And even though objectively insurance provides simplification, it's still not perceived as such such, due to the additional steps that they need to take before um, signing the deal and to purchase the insurance policy. Um, It's a great alternative to escrow accounts. You know, so in the higher value transactions, like already Alex said, um, the parties are more inclined to explore the possibility but in lower-value deals, it's uh, the cost of the premium mostly makes sense only if you know, you're know you buying a distressed company or if you have an individual on the other side that cannot really vouch for, for any damages and indemnities. Um, in relation to coverage, most of the risks that do cause a divide between parties in the negotiation stage are known risks. And generally, W&I insurance does not cover known risks. And, of course, there are some blanket exclusions, such as um, data protection matters, tax and environmental risks. These are generally excluded. So this is something that um, usually um, the parties fight about, uh, how how they want to allocate the risk. And if the insurance doesn't cover that, then it doesn't make sense in their heads to to, um, purchase the policy and have an additional cost. Uh, And I also think there's like this subjective element uh, of why the WNI insurance is not used as much as it could be. I mean, if it's planned for the start, it's easier to kind of blend it in the the whole timeline of the transaction. But if it's not, it's kind of, and somebody wants to introduce it, it's kind of um, subjectively seems to clients as it's, as if it was forced by the other party and you kind of bring in a third person into the transaction, which is supposed to be already negotiated and confidential. So, um, you know, once the SPA is more or less negotiated, none of the parties wants to hold back the signing and, you know, have someone else meddling with the SPA. I think these are the most um, apparent reasons in the CE region.
0: Is a lack of knowledge the only factor behind the underutilization of WNI insurance in M&A transactions or are there also challenges and risks associated with warranties and indemnities that discourage companies from using it Alexander in your opinion what are the key drawbacks that still discourage companies
2: Yeah I think it builds on on what some of what Sasha already said I think uh, it used to be just pure unfamiliarity with the product that no longer i think is the case in a widespread manner but i think what is still lacking oftentimes or there's a less of an awareness how specifically a product can be tailored to to fit the particular situation so i think there's more let's say more sort of parts in the toolbox to make it uh, tailor-made for the particular situation we're talking about enhancements so there's there isn't just the basic product you're able to supplement the basic product with certain things, such as you know, more damage categories being covered, um, different types of you know, disclosure concepts being covered. Um, you have different situations, whether or not you have a split signing and closing, so whether you have reps at signing and the closing that you need to have covered, which entails bring down mechanisms and other stuff. So these are some of the, let's say, specifics that if you're not using the product very often, you may find it a bit cumbersome. Um, I think if you have used it and if you're sort of involving experts, then oftentimes some of the perceived, let's say, drawbacks, you can find a way around or even um, sort of um, use it to your benefit. Um, and then also, there is still, let's say, the perception that how does the claims uh, handling process work? Do we even get to, to you know put in any claims? Aren't the insurance companies resisting that from the beginning. So th- those are some of the, um, I think, let's say, conceptual drawbacks that, that, that still exist. And uh, then again, as, as Sasha said, I think knowing when to sort of start using the product is key. I think if you, um, on the sell side, for example, fold it in at the very beginning, it, it, it is able to really um, impact the transaction in a positive way. Uh, you can sort of uh, let's say do away with a number of headaches that you would otherwise face whereas if you sort of throw this in at the last minute like anything else in a transaction not just WNI, and i um it causes some more time delays it causes maybe some let's say discussions at a time where people are already losing the nerve so i think it's um it's just the the, the awareness as to when to place it properly and then um i, I think another drawback on the substantive side is that um, it's still a requirement The due diligence is the basis for sufficient coverage and there just are certain areas which parties tend to typically, I don't want to say ignore, but not focus on in their due diligence and it just, generally speaking, isn't possible to, not have, a, to have a good cover if you haven't properly diligenced it. So there are some specific areas such as IT, maybe cybersecurity, even data protection these days. So areas that previously used to be Almost not insurable uh, these days are at least within the realistic um, expectation of getting insurance, but you have to have done in uh, um, you know, due diligence. So due diligence scoping is key for what you're able to do with the WNI product.
0: Now let's move the ball into your court margin. How are insurance companies responding to clients' objections, doubts and fears?
1: Sure. Currently we are witnessing a very competitive uh, WNI insurance market um we have seen new insurance entering this sector uh this line of business and and the existing ones expanding their geographical appetite this is of course very good news for our clients especially in the sea region where historically the insurers' appetite was much lower than let's say in in western europe and now the this gap is narrowing um And in in some countries, such as, for example, in Poland, the gap has has actually already closed. And we can work with uh, more than 25 insurers. The increased competition means that we are able to obtain much better insurance terms for for our clients in the C region. Um, It's true, what what Sasha said, that the product um, is not as widely used especially on the smaller transactions. But, but when it comes to the medium or large deals, the product is, if not used, it's at, at least seriously considered by the parties. And, and I have to say that uh, the, the deal dealmakers uh, in the region, such as, such as the lawyers or, or um, other advisors, they, their knowledge about the product is, is already much, much larger than it was, for example, two or three years ago. Uh, WLI insurance policy, indeed, as as Alexander mentioned, is a bespoke product, which means that each and every policy is unique uh, and tailor-made to a particular transaction. And nowadays, more than ever, the insurers are open to out-of-the-box insurance solutions and and offer those uh, deal-specific enhancements uh, that can remove important obstacles from the negotiation table and facilitate the closing of a deal. Just to give you an example, um, right now we are working on a, on a very small, actually, transaction in, in Bulgaria uh, where the, one of the sellers, the majority seller, is not able to give any warranties at all and insurers are able to actually agree on a warranty catalog uh, and ensure that, even, even though this is not given by, by the sellers. Furthermore, there has, been, there has been recently a very substantial investment in, in claims departments, both on the ins- side of insurers and the brokers. Um, for example, at Marsh, we have also a dedicated claims team who regularly assist our clients in, in claims scenarios. Um, we offer both our technical expertise and our leverage um, against insurers. And when, when we recommend a particular insurer, uh, to our client, we actually always consider our claims experience with this particular, um, market, uh, whether their, their claims representatives are responsive, pragmatic, and, and above all, whether they actually honor their, their commitments and, and pay claims, um, regarding timing, um, of course, um, the Underwriters uh, from the insurance companies are used to work under under pressure uh, and against tight deadlines. However, uh, in order to obtain uh, an optimal insurance solution, we always recommend to our clients to start the WNI insurance stream well in advance and ideally not later than uh, four weeks before the planned signing date. This will allow us to have the best possible policy Uh, that can be ready to be issued on the signing date and actually involving uh, insurer um, at the very beginning can can help negotiate, uh, help the the parties understand what is actually insurable and negotiate the SPA, so the acquisition agreement, uh, accordingly. Alexander mentioned also due diligence uh, and insurance companies do expect to see a a customary due diligence in order to be able to ensure the warranties that would typically encompass legal financial and tax due diligence and uh, in principle any any material limitation in the due diligence scope might result in certain area being excluded from insurance however it is worth stressing that um, also in this aspect uh, the insurance companies can nowadays show flexibility and for example they can work on the basis of a internal due diligence if, um, if the buyer has sufficient in-house expertise to do that, or they can also uh, work on the basis of vendor due diligence.
0: Thank you, Martin Alexander, in your expert opinion, what trends do you foresee in the future? Do you think the growing interest in the region will lead to an increase in the use of this type of insurance policy?
2: Yes, I absolutely think so. I think the the growing influence of, let's say, regional and international buyers um, as they're sort of flocking into or more flocking into the CE region uh, inevitably also leads to, uh, let's say, higher sophistication of the deal terms that, that uh, applies to how sales and purchase agreements are handled, that applies to how structuring is done, and I think the same applies to our risk allocation situations are being optimized and WNI being at the forefront of doing this, uh, we we do strongly believe that this trend will lead to the WNI solution being used more often um, by various buyers across the board and across sectors. And uh, I think this will will lead to uh, a growing familiarity um, also of selling entities and shareholders, even selling individuals. That this is an option that they can pursue. So we, we, we do think this is a, a not just a, sort of a temporary <laughs> item that is keeping us um, busy in, in deal making. We think this this will turn into a pretty regular staple um, in in transactions. And I think just looking at it over the past ten to fifteen years, I mean, obviously, um, if there is something. 10 years ago where we'd only very seldomly see the WNI product even mentioned. Uh, nowadays we're, we're not close to what the usage in Germany or the UK is but I think in that in a vast majority of cases of transactions there's at least a discussion as to whether or not WNI may be a good solution in, in that case and we see a in absolute terms a, a pretty a growing number of deals being shared so yeah I think that is definitely something to monitor and then I think just to reiterate I think another trend that we do expect to continue is to transaction parties using WNI in a, in a more let's say tailor-made manner and uh, trying to also discuss with brokers such as Marcin and his team how a particular situation can be optimized to fit the situation and to I guess align parties interest even more. Sasha,
0: what is your crystal ball saying?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I agree, I agree. I think that the use of transactional insurance in the region will increase. I mean, it's a very practical tool to avoid certain um, complications in the future. Uh, Hopefully, there will be no further disruptions in the region, so the region will not be perceived as carrying more risk, as it was the case in the past. With competition, the coverage should um, increase uh, and I think that these insurance policies will become like a standard solution for a more clean transaction. I think you know there's only one thing that will not change. I mean, at least in Slovenia, it's we don't have a lot of large transactions, and with small transactions, you know, cost is also a factor. But I guess that with competition, that will decrease as well.
0: Okay, before the end, if we go back a bit, Alexander, can you maybe share a real life scenario? In which a client utilized their WNI insurance policy post transaction, and what
2: the outcome was? Sure. I mean, I think, uh, for example, we had a situation which was a, I'd say, su- somewhat sizable transaction for the region, close to hundred million of purchase price, um, in the um, financial services sector, which is not, let's say, the most common sector where WNI is is applied. But even then, as as we're able to see. It may provide a uh, sort of a viable element to the transaction. So what happened there is that um, th- there were a number of uh, portfolios of, of loans and sort of other financial products, um, some of which the underlying, well, the selling party um, did, did not fully disclose. And it turns out that some of the underlying litigation proceedings uh, led to a result that uh, was was adverse to that would have been disclosed. Um, so there was a claim being made or various claims being made um, to recoup this from the insurance company. I think what happened um, was that at the end, it uh, the, the client or the, the, the policyholder was able to recoup this from the insurance, um, though the way to get there was maybe an example of where it could, could be optimized further. So, for example, I think in this case, I mean, Marcin, Marcin has stressed that Choosing the right insurer isn't only for its underwriting speed or, let's say, its ability to get the policy issued quickly. But at the same time, you will also want to consider how, let's say, nimble or how sophisticated an insurance claims department is. Because when you get to um, actually needing to levy a claim, um, you know, the deal is over and uh, maybe there is less pressure involved from from parties to get things done. Uh, I think in this case. It turned out that uh, there was a bit of a headway to be made to get the claim satisfied. But I think at the end, um, it is resulted in a positive um, result for the client. I do think what the parties need to be mindful of is also make sure that they formulate the claims pretty quickly, that they put together a sound factual basis for a claim to the insurance. Because obviously you need to consider that the claims department was not involved in the transaction from the beginning, they need to sort of work themselves into the case from the beginning. And let's say the more concise and the more sort of credible you put together the materials, the factual basis, and also what it is that you're requesting from the insurance, let's say the more streamlined and the more um, easy at the end of the day, you're able to recoup, um, you know, your damages uh, that you believe you paid for by purchasing the insurance. So I think uh, there is a, I think a bit more, let's say development to be made in also focusing on the post issuance of the policy and, and getting also the policyholders processes in line to make sure that they cater to the claim situation appropriately.
0: Martin, according to your statistics, how frequently is W and I insurance enforced and what is the success rate when it is used?
1: Sure. Uh, So, so we at Marsh have been in this business for for quite some time now and we have been gathering statistics uh, which uh, provide some meaningful and interesting conclusions. Um, We regularly issue transactional risk um, uh, claims reports and and the, the, the most recent issue um, was actually released last year and, um, and um, relates to the years 2017 to 2021. And, and, and first of all, it shows that roughly 15% of WNI policies uh, receive a claim. So, so in other words, about 15% uh, of transactions, where March helped, which Marsh helped to insure, resulted in a warranty breach. And, and in my opinion, it's, it's a quite uh, significant ratio. Uh, Secondly, the most commonly uh, reported claims under WNI policies relate to financial statements and tax. And if I remember correctly, together they accounted for more than 40% of all claims notified under policies that were placed by Marsh. Interestingly, these two warranty uh, breach types were the most common in our previous reports. And um, in our previous report that was released in 2019, and we actually do not um, expect changes going forward. Um, when it comes to claims actually paid by insurers, um, this has improved. Uh, and this again reflects also the competition uh, against the insurers and their investment in claims teams. And on policies um, that were, sorry, on claims that were notified to the insurers through March the actually 89% of the claims um, up until 2021 have been paid and only 11% have have been denied. And when it comes to quantum, the claim payment under WNI policy can range from tens of thousands US dollars to actually multi-million payments. Since uh, 2017, uh, WNI insurers have paid more than $500 million to, to Marsh clients. And, and this includes also the sea region where we have already uh, seen first payments under WNI policies.
0: Wow. <laughs> Martin, Alexander, Sasha, it was a pleasure. Big, big thanks for your time. To all of you who were listening, watching, thanks for joining us. If you would like to see our previous episodes, you can find them on our website, CMS website, and you can revisit them through your LinkedIn profile if you wish so. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy life.